0: God bless. Good morning. Well, this morning we are continuing. This is part six of our wisdom series. And this morning it's entitled The Simple and the Subtle. And I'm going to talk to you about picking a new paint color, tweets, snaps, texts, and posts, presidential candidates, You know, it's going to be fun. Fundamentalism and aggressive dogs. Okay. Proverbs chapter 9. We've talked about this passage before, verses 2 to 6. It says, She, wisdom, It has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. Let all who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight And so wisdom is inviting us to come and sit at her table, and she loves a good chardonnay. She really wants to to interact with us. She wants to commune with us. And it's important that we understand that in this tradition of wisdom, there is no lack in the availability There may be a lack in the person, but not in what's available. And so I really want to communicate this, that wherever we are, whatever struggles we are dealing with, maybe they're relational, maybe they're work-related, maybe they are financial, and we are needing wisdom in these areas, I want you to know that there is wisdom available inviting us to come and sit at her table and to partake of what she has to offer. Now, the word proverb, in Hebrew, it's masal, and it means comparison. It has the idea of putting things in contrast with one another. We're picking out some new paints. We're going to paint our house or the rooms in our house. I say we, the royal we. She's picking the colors. I'm doing the painting, right? And, and so we're picking out these colors. And so we've got all these little samples that we've picked out that we look through this you know, chart. And we put these samples on the wall. And depending on what wall you put it on, the colors look different, right? You have a color that's on a green wall, and it looks one color, and then we have a color on a beige wall it looks a different color, and we have a color on a red wall, and it looks different. I know our color, we have all kinds of colors right now in our house. That's why we're, we're toning it down, right? We're going to bring this one color, but the color we liked on the green wall looked almost purple, And it's like, I don't want purple, right? But you put it on the beige wall, and it doesn't look purple. Now it looks a gray beige, and that's the color we want. And depending on the light, depending on so many things, it gives the contrast. And what the parables do is it brings these contrasts. Because sometimes words aren't enough to bring about the description. We have to bring some kinds of comparisons, we have to bring illustrations into it. And that's what the parables are, is giving us these kinds of contrasts. And so a couple of words that are always contrasted with one another throughout the parables and numerous times are the words simple and the words prudent. And so in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 4, it says, For giving... Nope, that's the wrong one. Where am I? Boy, something happened here. Okay. All right, here we go. I thought I moved that one. Anyway, for giving prudence to those who are simple. And so prudence is something that the simple need, right? Proverbs 8, bless you. Verse 5, you who are simple gain prudence. Verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 15, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. And so we're seeing these two words compared with one another, linked to each other. Again, in chapter 14, verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And again, in chapter 1, verse 32, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Here we see an example that simplicity is actually dangerous. Now, we talked a few weeks back that talking about life and death throughout The Proverbs isn't necessarily keeling over and dying physically, but there is a death we can be living in. And there is a life we should be living in. But we see this contrast, right? Prudent and simplicity. Now, prudent, when is the last time you used the word prudent? Right? If you were with a group of guys and you say, hey, you know, I know it's late, but why don't we go get something to drink at this bar? And someone spoke up and said, you know, I don't think that'd be prudent. You'd all look at them and go, did you just say prudent? Right? Because who uses that word? It sounds like something maybe your grandmother would use. Or then there's, you know, the prudish or prude, which has this terrible connotation, right? As someone who is not open, someone who is kind of stifled. But the idea of being prudish is actually something that's used positively. And then simple is used negatively. But for us, simple is good, right? If I'm putting IKEA furniture together, I want it to be simple. I like it when things are simple. And so we have to maybe readjust how we are seeing these words or how they are being used so that we can get a deeper understanding of what they are meaning here. And the word simple and the uses that are taking place throughout the book of Proverbs comes from the root pathah in the Hebrew. And pathah it means a number of things. It could mean foolish. It can also mean seducible. Isn't that interesting? Simple, seducible, foolish, and also related to this word "patha" is the word "one." In other words, it's singular in its focus, and it's seen in that way. In Proverbs seven seven, I saw among the simple, I noticed a young man, a youth who had no sense, and it talked about him making decisions. That caused destruction. He had one thing in mind, and that's the only thing that governed him. It was kind of like, you know, people who see life in this dimensional way. They're they're distracted by something. It's like squirrel, and that's all they see. That's all they hold on to. They get locked in the spiral in this way, and that's the idea of simple. It's they're seducible. Why? Because they don't have a wide range. They're foolish. Why? Because they they don't see beyond their vision of whatever that is. Again, in chapter 14, verse 15, it says The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. The prudent believe, give thoughts to their steps, while the simple just, okay, that's it. I believe it. Why? Because something was spoken. Something was given there. So we see that simple are people who don't reflect. They they are reactionary to their circumstance. They are the people who fly off the handle. They they don't give thought to their steps. Earlier we saw in chapter 14, it says that the simple inherit folly. And I think it's curious because it's not that they thought through it. It was they were given a thought and they inherited it. Right? Someone told them something, they believed it must be true. It was on the internet, right? I saw a YouTube video explaining why this is, and then their whole thoughts go around this conspiracy or whatever it is. They hear something. They didn't work through it. It was given to them. They inherited it. You see, there's no labor in inheriting something. It's just given to you. And you take it face value without asking question, without engaging it, right? You just kind of consume this. You're not wrestling with it. And we have to see that there are times when we have to wrestle through the situations that we're in. That Something maybe that's been handed to you isn't going to carry you through that situation. People who just watch one news source, and you can pick it. It could be Fox. It could be CNN, right? This is it. You go to their home, and it's on 24-7. What about the other things and other thoughts? Well, no, I just see this. This is what I'm being handed. This is what I'm embracing. And sometimes to engage in the complexity of life, we have to get outside the simple. Now, I know that does not sound fun. Not when I like simple. When I want things to be easy, I don't want to have to engage complexity. But this is where wisdom is. In chapter 12, verse 16, it says, fools show their annoyance at once but the prudent overlook an insult. Someone says something to you and you just immediately grasp it and respond to it where a person who's prudent thinks and doesn't react. They, they have a higher elevation of what's going on. Oh, well, they are saying that maybe because of something that happened to them. They're, they're being... Reactive to this situation, they're tired. They're intoxicated, right? Maybe they're drinking because they have this problem. They they look deeper. They start digging to get to the root of what's going on. It isn't superficial, right? The fools get annoyed at once. You said something that hurt my feelings. You're not my friend anymore. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it that way. I was referring to this. You guys are in relationships, right? You know what it's like to be mistaken. You know what it's like to to have your words interpreted the wrong way or have done that with others and have to, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, or I'm sorry, I did mean that, but I was just upset. You see, a person who's prudent looks... Wider, looks deeper, looks further into the situation instead of just reacting. Do you know what the word prudence means? It's the word orma in Hebrew. And it's translated subtle and nuance. I love that. So the Proverbs start out with wisdom gives prudence to the simple, or one commentator translates it, it gives, subtl- it gives subtleness to the naive. It gives subtly, what's that word, subtly, to the naive. It allows them to see all the intricacies, where the person who is normally naive to a situation sees the range that's involved with all of this. And so there are people who are simple or naive and what they need is subtlety and nuance. They don't need to be proven wrong. They need to see things deeper. They need to see a wider range because that's where wisdom is at and this is why the simple are so easily seduced by money by power by sex by easy answers right the prudent understand that there is depth complexity even ambiguity in things where the simple they are once tracked this is how it is if it's simple if it's easy i'll hold on to it and they leave a wake of destruction because Everything has to fit in this narrow path to be a part of what we're doing. We live in a world where if you can't tweet it, like it, snap it, post it, then it's not good, right? Have you ever gotten a text and it's long and you think, oh, I got to read all of that, right? I got a text the other day from Mary, and I was looking on my watch, and my watch doesn't give all of it, right? And it just said something, did you know you had this many friends on Facebook? And I just thought, huh, that's interesting. And then I never read the rest of it, right? And then the rest went on to asking something important, but I just saw that headline, and it was enough for me, right? It's that kind of just we want those little blurbs. We want that little, you know, notice out, the, the headlines of something, You know, those news clips that just are meant to catch your attention, the the things that are supposed to make you click on those things. And, And so many times that's what we're looking for. We live in a world of sound bites. And when we don't recognize that there's more, we start to do that even with our faith. And we're not being prudent. It's being simplistic for the sake of making us feel better. And so for me, a lot of times when I'm having a conversation with something, and maybe it's about something that's important or even controversial or a passage in Scripture that there's a disagreement on, and when someone comes up and they says, well, the Bible says, and then they give blah, 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 and then my tendency is say, well, the Bible also says blah, 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 and then pretty soon we're doing Bible wars, right? Here's my verse, here's your verse, who has the most verses wins, is that how this works? You know, and and not recognizing that there is so much more involved, that the Bible says a lot of things. And there are things that we have to wrestle with, there are things that we have to wonder about, there are things that we have to look into. We have to look into the culture, the history. When was it written? Who was it written to? Why was it being written? Right? The Bible says that if you beat a slave with a rod and they don't die right away, then you're not responsible. It also says if you beat your child with a rod, they will not die. So apparently slaves and children kind of are on the same theme. It says also that if your child is disobedient, you get the elders, take them outside the city, and they will be stoned to death. Now, I'm not going to do that. I may have been tempted, (laughs) but I'm not going to do that. You see... When someone says the Bible says and I come up with these things, I'm not being disrespectful to scripture. I'm disrespecting people who think it's simple and the simplicity that they try to embrace something that's been wrestled with for thousands of years. I believe it's inspired and I believe there are things that we can gain from all of it. But don't just throw a verse at me as if it's the, and all to all these things. Let's talk about it. And if I can't have a dialogue on it, if we can't look at it in a way that encompasses how it's interpreted in our society today and what was the intention when it was written, then we're going to lose the ability to actually gain so much. And we will make Scripture so much less than what it really is. When we talk about politics, people get very agitated, let's say. Did you know that in the 2016 elections, there were 79 presidential candidates? You guys thought there were only two. Why? Because it's easy to spin two. It's easy to to vilify the one. It's difficult to engage in a conversation with all the different parties. And so let's just have two and we can get money from them and we can spin them and we can control it. And we wonder why there's such a problem with the political system, why things just kind of get so stuck. It's because we're wanting simple. And so I just got to let you all know that if you post something on Facebook about one of the parties, I may respond, well, that would be simple. And I want you to know what I'm saying is that is foolish to think that it is just that black and white. Okay, I don't care which party you're sponsoring. It is not that simple. I wish it were, but it's not. And you see, the simple believe anything. But the prudent, they weigh it out. They think about it. They put time into it. And the same thing is true with economics, right? same thing is true with relationships with religion there's a simple way to look at things that makes us feel good and comfortable and then there's the prudent way oh i want to buy that because it's cheap oh that's easy where was it made who made it what is the child labor laws that are conditioned with that brand or with that company oh no you're just raining on my parade now i've got to think about this stuff Well, what if you're made aware of these things? What will you do then? Do you want to go back to simple? Because it saves me a couple bucks. Right? Religion, if you don't believe exactly like we believe, you're out. Well, what exactly do I need to believe? Well, depending on what book and what place you're at, it could be a number of things. Some places believe you have to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Some say you have to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some say you have to speak in tongues. Some say you have to believe the Scripture and everything literally. Some say that you have to believe, in, and you can go on and on and on and on, and you've got this subjective way of, okay, this is the way you have to believe. And you see, each one is trying to make it a simple way that they hold on to, and everyone else is wrong then Prudence says, you know what? Maybe there's a lot more going on and we have to ask a lot more questions and we shouldn't respond in so easily a way. What are all the fundamental things that the thief on the cross believed when he was next to Jesus? Did he have to fill out a questionnaire? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? What's going on here? And you see, asking these questions force us to deal with these things. But sometimes when you ask questions, you're labeled heretic. Sometimes when you ask questions, you're labeled emergent. Sometimes when you ask questions, you are seen as someone who's trying to cause diversity and stir up trouble. And sometimes what you're trying to do is be prudent. You're trying to look at the nuance of how God works in the lives of a billion different people coming from billions of different ways and speaking to each one of them in a way that is going to lead them closer to him. And that requires us to be prudent. That requires us to look at the subtle ways that he works and all the nuances of your life and of my life to speak into our lives in a way that reveals who he is. See, fundamentalism is a strict and limited interpretation. It's a refusal to acknowledge sometimes the complexity of life. And this is coming from a person who was a fundamentalist. And it's not that I don't believe things. It's I need to weigh things. And that's another thing that happens. A lot of times with wisdom and the different nuance and ambiguity and complexity that you're seeing all around, it takes time to process things. So people see you and they say, well, what's the answer? You know, it's a yes or no question. And when someone says it's a yes or no question that people have been wrestling with for thousands of years, trying to answer a yes or no is not going to be prudent, is not going to give the depth to that that is needed. And so sometimes when people are asking questions that are really profound and deep and want a yes or no question, you have to think it through. Well, lying, is it right or wrong? Well, it's wrong Okay, then it's wrong all the time. Well, then there's Rahab who lied to keep the spies safe from being killed. So it was good then because it protected these people. I would hope if you were in Nazi Germany hiding Jews from the Gestapo and they said, are you hiding any Jews? I hope you wouldn't say, well, it's wrong for me to lie. They're over here, right? That would be horrendous. So are you saying it's good to lie? I'm saying it's complicated. Well, when is it right? When is it wrong? Yeah, let's talk about that. I don't want to talk about it. I want an answer. I want it to be simple. And life is anything but simple. And wisdom is looking for prudence. When things are made simple, they're often missing the depth and they're naive of the realities of what's going on. I mean, Scripture is really saying, let the naive be given nuance. Your life, your business, your relationships, parenting, there is a complexity to all these things. If you have more than one child, you know that you don't raise them all the same. This one requires a certain form of correction, and this one requires a certain form of encouragement. Why? Because their temperaments are so different. They're born in the same house. They have the same names, you know, last name. I hope you don't name them the same way, Bill, Bill too. Um, but they're so different, right? And so if you are struggling through some things, understand that that's normal. That it's actually wise to have to wrestle with these things. Because to get past them, you have to go through them. Yesterday morning I had a training, a lesson, and they told me that the dog was very skittish. You know, and I said, okay, I've dealt with a lot of skittish dogs. I got there, the dog was full on aggressive. Dogs just coming after me, and it fortunately wasn't a real big dog, but still has teeth, you know, and I'm just dealing with the dog and I'm telling him, okay, this is the choices. And this is how we got to get to it. There is no way to get to this place where you have the dog you want without going through these steps to get there. And it's going to be process and it's going to be work. And if you're going to do it yourself, then you've got to be vigilant to work your way through it or you will never get there. And that is so true for us. There, There is the way of wisdom that is not around the complexities of life but is actually through the complexities of life. And through those complexities, new questions will pop up, right? I'm I'm moving here to get to this answer, and it's like, where is this from? Now i got to pursue this and this to get to this, and it can seem overwhelming, but isn't the mystery of God and the majesty of life supposed to be Overwhelming. I don't want to live my life and think I got it all figured out. I still want to be in wonder. I still want to be amazed. I, I, I still need more illustrations to how it all works out together. See, there is no dialogue when we just keep things simple. It's this or this. That's it. It's yes or no. And sometimes people just keep regurgitating, right? The same party lines, they inherit it. This is what we say, or the same mantra, or the same even scripture. This is what I heard, this is what I said, this is what I believe, that settles it. Are we going to talk about it or is it done? Because if it's done, then there will be no dialogue and there will be no ability to engage this. Instead of seeing God as someone who we can never fully understand, he is a mystery that we can endlessly understand. Which do you want? Do you want a God that you can figure out or a God that is always requiring more of us? When you give weight to the complexities, it takes time. I'm not being evasive. I'm not trying to, you know, waffle back and forth. Well, give me an answer. I'm thinking. Because this question is too important and it has too many things in it for me to take it too simple. It requires prudence. And there are so many subjects that are on the table these days that require prudence. And we might think, okay, I think I've got it figured out and someone gives us insight into something else and we say, okay, I got to go back to the table here. I got to think it through. And sometimes that's difficult. I'm actually trying to give a situation the time and answer it deserves And it takes time. And I come up with, well, what do you think? I'm not sure. I'm still wrestling with it. See, and that's why Proverbs and this contrast and these pictures are so helpful. That's why Jesus spoke in parables. And they would say, you know, speak to us plainly. Well, now you're speaking to us plainly. And they still didn't understand. Why is he giving us these illustrations? Because it's deep. I can say, oh, it's nice to be warm because <laughs> i freezing right now in this room, right? <laughs> or I can say it's like stepping into a hot shower on a cold winter's day. One, I can shiver and feel, right? And the other is just telling me, describing it. Well, there's so much picturesque. There's so many ways to, to look at this. Put the color against this backdrop. Put it against this backdrop. Put it in this light. Put it in this light. Now let's look at it. And now let's talk about which one makes sense. Which one seems consistent with the character of Christ. Which one seems like would be the best route to move forward in. And Sometimes leaving simple is difficult. Things were much easier when I had my cliches. Things were so much easier when I had my pocket full of scriptures. Things were so much easier when I knew how I believed and it was just this way or that. But then the questions come. And they make my God bigger, not smaller. Instead of looking at all these things and saying, oh, that's just too much. I I can't deal with all of this. Remember the parable of Jesus and the prodigal son. And the father who represents God in that parable, when the eldest son comes up to him and says, look what you've done for this one who's been off and squandering. I've been here the whole time. I've been faithful. And Jesus says, to him, you are always with me and all I have is yours. Or when Jesus said, which one of you has a child and if they ask for bread, would you give them a stone? I want us to recognize that in the complexity in this place of nuance and things being so subtle that sometimes I don't know if I'm hearing right, if I'm seeing right, if I'm picking the right way, that there is a God who is ready to speak. It might take time. And when I mean time, I don't mean a few minutes. Sometimes it takes years. But he's speaking, and he's guiding, and he's directing us. I mean, really, what prayer is, at least what it's becoming more and more to me, isn't me just asking for something and expecting something. It's... An acknowledgement that there is provision beyond myself, that there is more to be had outside of me than just in me. That when I ask something, I'm not just asking for this thing, I am asking for God to Reveal to me in this area and in this situation because I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with my child at this point. I don't know how I'm supposed to get through this hardship. I don't know the way that is best to move forward. And I am struggling and God is saying, I am here in the struggle that there is something beyond you that is available to you that if you ask for bread i will not give you a stone that you are always with me and all i have is yours that there is no lack to wisdom that there is no drought that it is flooding around us, that she is at the table calling us to come and eat her food and to drink her wine. It is available to us. And in James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, but if any of you lack wisdom, that's me, my hand is up, you should pray to God. Why? Because you are extending outside of yourself so that God can actually speak into you, who will give it to you. Give what? Give you wisdom. Because God gives generously and graciously to all. God gives generously and graciously to all. That includes you. This morning. And so I want you to wrestle. I want you to think hard and deep. I want you to stay up at night wondering about what it is God is doing in this situation. I want you to do that because that's where the table is. That's where wisdom is. That's where the food is being served. That's where the wine is being poured. That's where God will be encountered. Seek. Ask. Knock. That's our invitation to the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, so many times I feel that I am learning all over again. There are so many times where it seems like the more I know you, the less I really know who you are. And the hungrier I get to find out. And I pray, Father, that those who are here this morning in their various struggles for wisdom would recognize that you are not far, that you are near, that you are gracious, you are generous. Lord, that you are willing to speak into our lives and our situations. Lord, we might want the answer to be yes or no. We want it to be black or white. We want simplicity. We want one. We we want to be people who are seduced by the simple. But Lord, you are calling us to the subtle. You are calling us to be prudent, to think deep, to search intently, And I pray that in our searches, Father, we would find you and the direction that you are so willing to give. And Lord, when that direction is not what we want to hear, that we would have the courage to pursue your character, your heart anyway. Give us wisdom. Give us prudence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. May you not be seduced by the simple. May you pull up to the table of wisdom and enjoy the beauty of the subtle and the nuance that God has to offer. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week.